Linda, as it turns out, had gone to Van Buren to seek comfort from her mother because she had found out her husband was having an affair. And she went up to Van Buren on that night in May and she took her little boy with her and he was asleep in the back seat of the car. And she went up there late at night. She went up there on a whim and she's the one who killed her mother. Her mother said, I told you not to marry that man. Now you've had all these kids by that man. Don't expect me to help you. Don't expect, don't expect any money from me. And she just went on and on. And Linda, Linda, little meek and mild Linda, went into a blind rage. And she picked up a plaque that had come off of a, a uh, she picked up a, a um, gavel that had come off of a legal plaque that had been given to Sam when he left the U.S. prosecuting attorney's office. She picked up that gavel and she used that as a murder weapon. And she hit her mother that many times. For some reason, she dragged her mother's body into the den. She let herself out of the den door and locked that den door back up with the key that she knew where was hidden. That was Linda's key to use, and she locked that door back up. She got in the car. Her child was still asleep in the back seat, and she drove back to Cabot. At the Mulberry, Arkansas exit, she tossed the gavel out the window. She went home to Cabot, and she went to church the next morning. The murderer had been found. The meek, unassuming, adopted sister of Sam Hugh was the one who beat her mother over the head, dragged her to the den, leaving her to die, all with a baby asleep in the back seat of her car. The circumstances of the murder shocked the citizens of Van Buren. They never suspected it was Linda. I'm Dee Morales, and this is A Mother of a Murder. She admitted that she had drove over one night needing money, got there in the middle of the night, um, Rui Ann Park lets her in because she's who she is and asked for money. The woman refused on the Persian carpet, which had come up to. And the woman reached over and picked up a gavel that uh, Rui Ann Park had been awarded for a garden club or president or something like that, a heavy wooden mallet type of thing, and beat her head in. And then... Uh, you know, left and drove back through the mallet out. She said somewhere on I-40 on the way back to uh, eastern Arkansas. She confessed. Uh, she was appointed uh, an attorney. Um, she had other information that, that only, you know, that we had not released to the public that only the killer would know. So I charged her and agreed to let her plead to murder in the second degree. Uh, and she pled to somewhere in 20 years or so. Um, 
And um, like I said, there was two interesting things that happened at the plea. One was the judge telling me that I could still convict Sam Hugh if I wanted to. And unfortunately, like many cases in the justice system, that was true, even though he wasn't guilty. And two was, was when the sheriff turned to the police chief, they were longtime friends and rivals, and said, the sheriff said, uh, Wayne, do you want to go with me? And he said, where are you going? And he said, I'm going up to the cemetery. And Wayne said, what for? And he said, I'm going to tell Sam I'm sorry. The person that got Linda to confess was her own husband. It's a secret he learned when he returned the next morning after a camping trip with his older sons. The next morning, he was such a controlled freak that there was a little red car. It was a little red Corvair, I think. And he had told her never, ever, ever to ride, to drive that car. So he checked the mileage on that car just to see if, I wonder if she drove that car while I was gone. And he saw that indeed she had. And he, he had taken, he had jotted down, you know, the mileage. And so he figured out the mileage was two Van Buren and back. And so he put two and two together, and he figured out that Linda had killed her mother. And he tormented her and tormented her till, in fact, he got her to say, yes, I did. And so that's why when they got a divorce, he got the house, he didn't pay any alimony, he didn't pay any child support. In the meantime, the, all that time, between the time she killed her mother and the time that her husband found out about it and the time that she was finally found out, she was in terrible, terrible shape. She was so distraught. She was, she couldn't sleep. She couldn't eat. She found herself pregnant for the fourth time at, from her husband who, <laughs> who had already found out or had already discovered that she had killed her mother and he had told her not to tell anybody because nobody would come to him as a lawyer. And um, so he had her over a big barrel and he was, he was a, a despicable man. So that secret was kept safe between the two of them for a while until it was convenient to use her confession as a bargaining tool. He wanted a divorce. She was contesting it. And he had her on tape admitting that she had killed Ruey Ann Park. She had been a, a kind of a foster sister, as I understand her, or a sister that hadn't been there long, had, had, had moved off long ago, and everybody kind of forgot about her. Uh, they lived in eastern Arkansas, so I sent some detectives over. They listened to the tape that he had recorded. Uh, and of course we had to get around the husband and wife privilege. Uh, so they picked the woman up and interviewed her and she basically went confronted with a tape, which would have been inadmissible. The police came and arrested her and they put her in the car. They took her to Van Buren and about the time they got about to Ozark, they put in the cassette tape of that. And so by the time she got to the police station in Van Buren, she was a wreck. She had heard the conversation between her and the father of her children. And by the time she got there, she, she, was, she was so distraught, she was unable to even get out of the car 
the sheriff had to pick her up and carry her in. She was devastated. Her husband followed the police car to Van Buren and took the oldest son with him so he could show and tell the oldest son, that's your mom who they're arresting, and she killed her mother. What a nice guy, right? Prince. So after that, what happened to Linda? After that... After that, she just, she said, yes, I did it. Yes, I did it. And she was sent for a mental evaluation, which she passed. Her husband hired an attorney for her. And he hired her attorney. If she and the attorney pleaded guilty, if that had gone to trial in Van Buren, Arkansas, in Crawford County, she would have never, ever been found guilty because everybody in town felt sorry for her and what she had gone through. And all she needed to do was just tell her story, get on stand and tell her story. But she just, he convinced her that it would be bad for the children if she went to trial. And I, and why don't you just let me get you this lawyer? And so she said, okay. He got a lawyer from Little Rock, Steve Engstrom, who's a big deal lawyer today. Very impressive big deal lawyer. And so he was, or that was early on in his legal career. And so he got her uh, second degree murder and 25 years with the possibility of parole. And so she was out in four years and a fifth year of kind of a, she was still part of the prison system, but she worked like in a McDonald's at in Pine Bluff. And so after five years and she was paroled and she remarried and she moved to Florida. One of the biggest questions I have was whether Sam Hugh knew his sister murdered his mother. In the middle of everything he was going through, did that thought ever cross his mind? I think that the night in my office, when I was going through the evidence and, and eliminating a lot of, uh, of the peripheral type of suspects, uh, named and unnamed, the thing that I said was when I mentioned the fact that your mother wouldn't let anybody in, only you had the key, and I think at that point he realized who it was, and I think that's the first time he realized who had killed his mother. And that was the reaction, and he did not want to say that name to me. The, the police lieutenant interpreted it as he did it, um, but like I said, it, I just didn't feel that way, and as it turned out, I was correct. And I think that had he killed her, he would have killed her in such a way that she would have died almost instantly without any fuss. And uh, it would have been in, in such a way that it would not be, he, he wouldn't be the, the chief suspect. My wife and I kind of wondered for years, still do, if Sam didn't figure out in his own mind or have some pretty strong thinking that, uh, that his sister Linda actually did it. Sam was a smart guy, and uh, he thought rationally uh, and, and thoroughly, logically. And I, uh, 
I kind of wonder if he didn't kind of just conclude in his own mind that uh, she probably did it. Uh, but I'm quite sure he never confronted her about it. And he wouldn't, nor would he have ever even said anything about that or implied it in any way to anybody because, again, he was very caring of Linda and very protective of her. So, but if he did know or if he did suspect that, there was an additional burden that he had to bear. How could Meek Linda murder her mother? Why would she? What happened to Linda to make her capable of such violence? You've heard Linda talk to us briefly. She's a sweet, friendly person, but she's also a person who never felt loved. What are we missing? What is her backstory? Linda was just someone you didn't pay any attention to. She was just there kind of in the shadows. Linda's mother said when she went to went off to college, she said, now do not get a, a credit of charge account. And in those days, a, a store called Campbell Bell, it was a nice department store in Fedville, they would send everybody who came up a, call, a credit card application. And she told Linda not to do that, not to do it. And so Linda told me that her first act of rebellion was to sign up for a credit card and that she bought a tube of lipstick. He said, jump. I jumped, didn't ask how high, I just jumped. And that was the way it was going to be. Was, and it was kind of way with her. And I didn't feel like that she, you know, I just existed. I wasn't special or anything. I, you know, and, and uh, I didn't realize it till later in life that I kind of missed that. Yeah. And I it, wanted to feel special. When Linda married her husband, she thought she was upgrading her situation. Her friends saw it differently. I only met Howard one time, and we had a 10-year class reunion. And um, at the dinner, uh, my husband and I sat at the same table with Linda and Howard. And I told my husband when we left, I said, I don't like that fella. I said, he is as mean to Linda as Miss Park was. You know, he just... He was an attorney, and he talked down to her, and you know, I just, I, my heart just broke for her, because all of her life, that's what had happened to her. You know, it really was hard in those days. I was trying to balance both of them. And you had children. And didn't make either one happen. And you had small children, too. Yes, I had one child at that time, and of course, later I wound up with four he was very, it was always him, not the children, not the mother. For no other reason, he was number one. As you went on in your marriage, yeah. you, you found out that he was having an affair. How did that make you feel? Oh, my gosh. Wait, listen, all my life, I, I tried to be a beautiful daughter. I tried to be the best wife. I did not find out about the affair. He just came home and said, we're getting a divorce. It's all your fault. Uh, I didn't want a divorce. I had four kids. I had just, I had a little baby. I just had a baby. And I had, so, you know, that was never in my vocabulary, divorce. 
Even now, with a confession and a sentence, people still had a hard time thinking Linda did it. I just can't see Linda doing that. But she, like her book said, Blind Rage. I mean, Miss Park was a big lady. And Linda was just a little, tiny girl. I just, I think if they had had a, a real trial, I don't think anyone would have, I don't think they would have found her guilty. After we found out who did do it and that person entered a plea of guilty, uh, the judge called me up to the bench and said, you realize that you could go out today and pick a jury and convict Sam Hugh Park of this murder case and get him the death penalty? And I said, I do. I, I, I could convict him tomorrow uh, because everybody knew he did it, except he didn't do it. Linda didn't want to go into the details. She has to live with those details in her conscience every day. But she did have this to say. I loved her in my own way. And I wish things would have been different. I wish I could have. I wish that it never happened. You know, there's things that you do in a in seconds that you wish you could take back. But I just, I couldn't. But if I could, I would. I understand. I'd change places in a heartbeat. I'm Dee Morales, and this is a mother of a murder. Thank you for letting us share this story with you. A Mother of a Murder will be adding podcasts in 2018. We are also going across the pond to England, where we will be introducing another series called Another Bloody Murder. Sign up on our website for our upcoming productions. I'd like to express my thanks and give special credit to Caleb Haldane for recording and producing this episode. Original music by Robert Houston. Special thanks to the Miller branch of the Fort Smith Library. From July the 12th, 1963 to October the 6th, 1965, an unassuming man and woman prowled the misty Yorkshire moors looking for victims. By the end of their brutal hunt, five bodies lay buried in shallow graves across this isolated part of England. This couple has been called two of the most sadistic killers in British history. I'm Timothy Morales, and this is Another Bloody Murder. <laughs>